0: Hello, everybody, and welcome on into episode six of the SCO show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield in the big chair for today, Thursday, August 22nd, and this is a big day. Patriots take the field tonight against the Carolina Panthers, the third preseason game, which is commonly referred to as. The dress rehearsal game. We talked about that a bit with Evan Lazar back on Tuesday. And we're going to talk about my expectations What I'm going to be watching for tonight as well. But it is a big one. We expect to see TB12, which is always a good part of the preseason. We're also going to talk some Isaiah Wynn. And then keeping with the theme of Eyes on O-Line, Brandon Thorne from the Athletic Denver established the run and a couple of other great websites, including his own podcast, Trench Warfare. Which is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which is all about the trench play. He's going to join us and talk about the Patriots' offensive line, Dante Scarnecchia, and more. But first, your usual cavalcade of reminders here at the top. Please do follow along the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and that Trinity of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View. Bleeding Green Nation, where I co-host the QB Sco Show with the venerable and honorable Michael J. Kist. If you want more of Kist, more of me, you're in luck. You get it with the QB Sco Show. And of course, Pat's Pulpit, where I'm not only a writer, I am the host of this show that you're currently listening to. Imagine that. So let's talk briefly about tonight and the things that I'm going to be watching for. And I think the things that we're all sort of looking for, and that's first Tom Brady off the top. We expect to see Tom Brady tonight, as Evan Lazar told us on the previous show, SCO Show episode 5. Go back and listen if you haven't, or listen again, because hey, listen's help. We expect to see Tom Brady, and Tom Brady likes to play a lot in that third preseason game. So we expect to see a lot of TB12. We expect to see some Julian Edelman. We won't see Josh Gordon. But as Evan said, and I agree with him on this point, This might be our first chance to truly see what this Patriots offense is going to look like personnel-wise, thematically in a sense. Are they going to be that sort of 21 personnel, ground-and-pound team we kind of saw emerge near the end of the season? Are they going to be like the Patriots teams of the past, say, seven to eight years where it's a lot more 11 personnel spread you out? Go tempo at times. Really put the ball into Tom Brady's hands. Is it going to be something different? Is it going to be a mix? While we won't sort of get the full flavor of what this offense is going to be, we're going to get our best glimpse of it yet. So obviously watching for that. We expect perhaps to see Julian Edelman. Want to see him a bit. Let's face it. If you're a football fan, we're going to see Cam Newton tonight. Cam Newton coming off a shoulder injury. Let's revisit for a moment. Panthers versus Ravens last year. Near the end of the first half. Cam Newton comes off the field in a Hail Mary situation and they bring Taylor Heineke. Google him. He's not a Madden-generated name. Taylor Heineke onto the field for the Hail Mary attempt. Now he ends up checking it down and they get a field goal. But that's kind of the... If there's one play to sort of sum up Cam Newton's season, I think it's that. He was struggling with injuries. So this is our first chance to see him in action. So I think football fans are excited to see Cam Newton back. But third preseason game, always a big one. Excited to see it tonight. And, of course, I'll have thoughts on it next week. It's kind of like last week tonight here in the preseason. But that's a joke and a topic for another time. Let's talk Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn had 19 snaps in his first true test of action against the Tennessee Titans. I went back, charted him, looked at him, broke him down a bit. I wanted to drop briefly... I'm not going to break down all 19 plays, but some some general themes look. I thought he looked great. Period, full stop. I thought he looked fantastic. Brandon Thorn is going to talk about him in a minute. Um he was really high on him coming out of Georgia, but I thought Win looked fantastic. It was a good mix of pass block reps, run blocking reps, uh you know, play side point of attack on run plays, backside of some run plays, um, good mix of two point, three point stance. And I kind of like to see that. You know, I like to see the fact that He can pass block from a three-point stance. He can run block at times out of a two-point stance. He can mix it up. Why? You don't want to have that tell. You know, if your left tackle has to have or start every pass pro rep in a two-point stance, eventually somebody's going to figure it out. If a chucklehead like me knows to look for it, you better believe the defensive coordinators in the National Football League know to look for it. So the fact that he can give you that balance at the start of a play is a good thing to see. I thought his footwork was incredible. you know. There was a play where it was a second and ten on their opening drive. It was the Hoyer interception, actually. And he has to move deep into the pocket because there's a chip and release to his side and the guy he ends up cleaning up on, the outside rusher, he doesn't have to make contact with him initially, but that guy gets deep into the pocket. He moves laterally extremely well. There was a second and seven play on their next drive. It was sort of a pin and pull design with an end around to Dontrell Inman. And he... Just great athleticism. Comes out of a three-point stance. Blocks down on the three technique inside of him. And then gets up to the second level. All in one fluid motion. To get to that linebacker as well. Which showed you some great athleticism. On that next play, the third and five situation. He gets a speed rush from Latroy Lewis, number 45. Where again, that guy gets deep into the pocket. Moves laterally extremely well. Uses the feet extremely well. His hands. Brandon Thorne's going to talk about that. His hands were impressive. First play of the game was a pass pro rep against Amani Bledsoe, number 95 for the Titans, where he's coming out of a three-point stance. He just gets those hands so quickly into his frame, inside between the armpits of the defender, so he can control them, and then anchors and re-anchors a couple of times during that one rep. It was just a tremendous pass blocking rep against Bledsoe on the first play of this game. Perhaps my favorite play of him, and we're going to talk about you know communication up front along the offensive line with Brandon in the second, but we saw this with him and Carris, who's playing left guard with him. And they get a twist and a stunt between the defensive tackle and the defensive end, and he's fantastic when is on this play because he gets that, gets his arms into him, and, and then as that defensive end starts to come inside, he keeps that right on him. But you could see his helmet in his eyes once he sees that guy coming inside. He knows I got to look for that looper coming around. So he picks him up, and when that lupin defensive tackle comes to the outside, he immediately gets that left arm, left hand into that guy's frame and controls him. So at one point, he's basically blocking two guys, one with each hand, and he's doing it with ease. To sum it up, I saw footwork, I saw power, I saw athleticism, and I saw some of that mental stuff you need to be a left tackle, basically to be an offensive lineman, period, but to be a left tackle in the National Football League. So I thought it was a fantastic performance from him. I was very pleased to see it. People might wonder, look, they had a 31. They ran to his side. They lost a yard. Was he responsible? No. On that play, he had to get to the the strong safety, number 21, climbed well, got to him, got into him. He executed his job on that play. So look, I thought it was a fantastic performance. Love to see it. Now he's going to get a chance to protect Tom Brady, which is a big job. But from what I saw against Tennessee, Isaiah Wynn seems up to the task. Up next, my conversation with Brandon Thorne from, as I said, the Athletic Denver, a bunch of other places. We're going to talk about Skarniecki, Isaiah Wynn, the interior of the Patriots O-line and why it's the best in the league, why Brandon thinks the Patriots O-line, even with a question mark at left tackle, is the best in the league. Plus, what it's like being down there in Texas with OL Masterminds and Duke Manny Weather and company and going to dinner with some of these guys. Brandon's a big guy, but he's not lane johnson size he's not trent brown size so we're going to talk about that more with brent and that's ahead on episode six of the sco show and welcome back to episode six of the sco show brought to you by the great folks at sb nation a proud part of the pat's pulpit podcast network and i can't be more excited for our next guest right now if you're a fan of football period but if you particularly like what happens down in the trenches you have to be following this man on twitter He does great work for places like Establish the Run, The Athletic Denver. He even has a tremendous podcast on Blue Wire Trench Warfare. He also is the content manager for the Scouting Academy program, I know. He's the one and only Brandon Thorne. Brandon, my friend, it's been too long. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing great, Mark. It's uh, exciting to be here, and I'm excited for you, man, to have this new platform. And uh, You're doing awesome work, so thanks for having me here.
0: Well, oh, Brandon, it's an honor to have you. You and I, we go back. We, we spent some time together down at Mobile with the Senior Bowl watching stuff. It, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you about stuff on the offensive and defensive lines. You know it so well. You do such great work. And one of the things, Brandon, you've done recently you. is over at Establish the Run, that brand-new site with uh, mm-hmm. Evan Silver and company you put together your preseason offensive line rankings and you rank the Patriots first. What makes this group the best in your mind?
1: Yeah. So I think there's a lot of continuity here, you know, four or five starters returning, um, you know, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Uh, I think that's huge. I think their interior is one of the best in the league. I think cannon's a pretty underrated right tackle and just to round out the personnel, uh, Isaiah Wynn was a guy I absolutely loved coming out of the University of Georgia. I thought he, w- you know, he was a first-round pick with the Patriots, but I thought he probably would have been gone by that point if he was just a couple inches taller, maybe you know a little bit longer or whatever. But even though his length isn't bad, but still, I, I think really just measurables is all that kept him out of going maybe top ten because his film was just phenomenal. So I think that there's a better chance of them being. Better this year than they were last year because I think Wynn could upgrade them at left tackle from Trent Brown. Uh, you know, of course he's coming off of a torn Achilles, so you know uh, that's you know I think gave a lot of people pause. But for me, everything that I've heard about him and how he's progressing is it's all been positive, and he's young enough to where I think that he can overcome that injury better than most, and he's far enough removed from it to where I think that he could really be a full go um, to start out, and we saw him in that preseason game looked pretty good. And then, you know, of course, Dante Scarnecchia is there. So he kind of improves the play of everybody. So all things considered, um, purely from a starting five perspective, I think that they're they're the best in the league, or if not, you know, one of the two or three. You know,
0: Brandon, you mentioned that name, Dante Scarnecchia, and it's becoming more of a household name, especially, you know, those of us in the film community that study the X's and O's so much. How important is his influence on an offensive line unit?
1: I mean, it's hard to overstate, really. I I just think for offensive line more than any other position group, I think the coaching matters more than anything else. Uh, It's probably the single greatest factor that can really make a group of average guys good or a group of good guys very good and so on. And, you know, the inverse is true as well if you don't have a very good coach. So I think, uh, you know, Skarnecchia is... Probably the best in the league. I mean, he's right up there with Munchek. Maybe' the only guy you can really kind of compare with him. But, yeah, I mean, Skarnekia, you know to to be the best at what you do at a coaching position that crucial is, you know it really moves the needle for me. But I mean, I think just his ability to to teach and communicate to his players, to you know, pass along different techniques that guys can add to their toolbox as players I think is invaluable. And then how he can get a group of five to play as one, just c- communicate at a high level. I think consistently the Patriots handle stunts and line games and blitzes as well as anybody, and I think that can largely be a credit to Coach Skarniecki and how he's preparing them each week and throughout the offseason and just the time he spends with them as much as he's seen. I mean, he just really gets his guys to play at a really high level, and just it's so cohesive up front when you watch the Patriots. It's really a beautiful thing to watch, and I think it's really because of Coach Skarnecchia. You know, Brandon, you said that
0: word, communicate. How critically important is it for those five guys up front to be able to communicate, like you said, on stunts, on twists, to be able to call that stuff out? How critical is that to
1: offensive line execution? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you know, and a lot of it is nonverbal. I mean, it's just really being familiar with the guy next to you. That's why I mentioned four of the five starters coming back. I think continuity is huge on the offensive line. And when you've played together or alongside of a guy for an extended period of time, you learn that you know what they're seeing, how they're seeing it, how they're going to react to it. And You don't really even have to say anything; you can just kind of get that feel going with the guy next to you. And I think that that's just incredibly important with the way the NFL defenses are trending. Um, they're becoming smaller, faster. The margin for error uh, for offensive line in the pass protection game is is decreasing. Um, so you know, it's just uh, it, it's invaluable. I think um, being able to recognize things on film too the the different tells that defensive lines show and in, in their alignments their stances things like that um, being able to to kind of communicate that across the board uh, to all five guys I mean that just gives you that extra half second that you need to be in the proper position to prevent any leakage through a gap or you know things like that so it I mean it, it carries over to the run game as well but I think pass protection and you know, that's really where, you know, with the NFL being a pass pass happy league, I think that's really where you see it the most and the most benefit comes from.
0: You mentioned Isaiah Wynn and what you thought of him pre-draft. Can you sort of run through quickly your thoughts on him pre-draft and how you evaluated him when he came out?
1: Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really any weaknesses to his game. I think he was very well rounded as a run blocker and as a pass protector. Um, you know, he saw really good competition in the SEC at left tackle, and I think he was dominant. I mean, there, there, there wasn't really anything to knock him on. I think the things that stood out most to me were uh, his ability to use his hands effectively both with the timing of his strikes being right at the right time his placement his ability to re-leverage or reset his hands if he were to get out of position i thought all were outstanding he was constantly able to generate leverage on defenders with his hands and I, that really stood out to me cuz you just don't see that at that level at the you know at the in the college game as often as he was putting it out on film and then I mean the competitive toughness aspect of the position finishing guys and really playing with that attitude and that mentality that you want to see that was all there so to have a guy who was really a technician and to have that sort of nastiness to him I thought was pretty uh, a pretty special blend that you don't really get to see very often and I think in the NFL today you know if you don't come in with a certain base level of technique then you're going to be behind and <laughs> I, over the last few years i think i've really learned that offensive linemen i mean you know we you sh- we shouldn't really get too enamored with the athletic ability of a guy as opposed to the technique and the fundamentals that he plays with consistently another thing with win is in pass protection hips square to the line of scrimmage to the last possible second never really opened up too quickly to give guys a soft inside shoulder he was constantly maintaining that inside out relationship on guys which allowed him to be so effective with his hands Um, so he's just very uh, a very clean pass protector in that way and then they at Georgia they execute a lot of pro concepts in the run game, so you got to see him do double teams and block different zone looks and block in space. I mean, he you really got to see him do it all. So, yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't a lot not there wasn't a lot of weaknesses, if any, to to win on tape at Georgia. You know, it's interesting,
0: Brandon, because. We were down there at Mobile, and they kick him inside to guard, and there's a thought that he needs to move inside because of a lack of length, perceived or unperceived. Dante Skarniecki, after the draft, said he had the same size arms as Matt Light, who was an all-pro left tackle. Do you think that when, in his case, is one of those examples of perhaps overthinking a player during the draft process?
1: Yeah, maybe, and I think I... You know, maybe guilty of it to a certain extent as well. Even though my reasoning for how I viewed him coming out, just to kind of give a background on that, I I thought you know if you were going to plug him into a position and for him to be the best that he could be for in a long-term scenario, I, I actually kind of leaned inside as well. I just thought his skill set translated very well there, but it wasn't because I didn't think he could play left tackle. It's just that if we're going to you know split hairs and say you know for the next ten years, where can he? make the most impact I thought it may have been inside but it wasn't to knock him and to say he couldn't do it and I felt the same way about even a guy like Cody White here um there, there's a lot of guys who have moved inside that played left tackle that I didn't think needed to but I thought may it may have been the best thing for him but yeah so I was uh I was kind of in the middle there but but yeah I, I do think that he can absolutely play left tackle at a high level um especially in this scenario I mean that that's another big thing when I evaluate offensive linemen and where I, you know how I project them generally. A lot of it has to do with the situation they go into, to, and that's going to be a huge part of how they develop. Um, and he went to the absolute best position for him because now, um, if there were any questions about him staying at left tackle, which there weren't really for me, um, I think that those are gone now because he's playing under Dante Scarnecchia who's going to be able to get him to play at the very best level that he can possibly play at and to give him new techniques and and new ways to see the game that you know he just wouldn't be afforded in pretty much any other spot, uh, maybe only a couple others in the entire NFL. So yeah, I think all 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 signs are pointing to him uh, being able to succeed at left tackle right away, especially in the situation he's in. Well, Brandon, Patriots fans obviously would love to hear
0: that because left tackle was a question. If Wynn win can lock that down, another question would be who's going to be that sort of swing tackle, maybe Dan Skipper or maybe another new face, that's Yanni Kajus from West Virginia. What were your thoughts when you studied Kajus pre-draft and what do you think about him as a potential NFL swing tackle or even starting tackle?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kajus was a, a really interesting guy to study because I, I think the first thing that jumped out to me when when you watch him on film is just his... His physical dimensions, his frame, his build, his length, and his physicality—I think those things right there were just like holy crap! Like we, if you get him in a, a situation where he can be developed, which you know, again, he's in the ideal situation to where he's going to be brought along slowly, and he can actually develop. Because I thought that the weaknesses in his game had a lot to do with, um, you know, I, I noted his uh, the the run game fundamentals that he used you know west virginia unfortunately they don't really get to execute a lot of uh, the run concepts that you want to see that translate to the pro level so he was really just sort of a, a placement blocker he wasn't really tasked with uh, moving guys off the spot in the run game as much as you would like to see and then if in the situations that he did I noted his pad level was a little bit concerning Um, his hand usage was concerning it was pretty erratic just not very accurate all the time and uh, his ability to stay disciplined as a pass protector as far as keeping his hips square I thought was a little up and down as well so I think all these things generally are correctable if you go to a situation where you have a great offensive line coach with the track record of development, and you have time, and those two things aren't really, you know, opportunities that a lot of offensive linemen get. So for him, I wasn't super high on him in terms of his overall value. I gave him like a late third, early fourth round grade, but I still loved him in certain situations and I thought he was a guy that you definitely want to get into your program and try to develop because of what he is physically he's very strong and I mean when he strikes guys I mean he could stop them in their tracks and and really deliver a lot of jolt and he's he's athletic as well so um really the perfect kind of guy that you want to get under a guy like Dante Scarnechia and to give him time so um you know with that said I think he's in in a great situation to to really kind of fill a depth need initially and um, I think there's a good chance he's going to develop into a starter probably in the next couple of years
0: you know Brandon earlier you mentioned the Patriots interior offensive line sort of getting back to the guys up front that's starting right now and you know but from left to right Joe Tooney David Andrews Shaq Mason I think they should be household names um, you said that they might be the best in the in, in the NFL right now and what makes those three so good
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, you know, first and foremost really is, like, how how well they work together, and that's in the run game and in the pass game, um, just how they pass off stunts, blitzes, how they're able to just maintain the levels that they do alongside of each other as tightly as they do. Very rarely do you see, uh, you know, untouched guys get through those A-gaps. Um, really, I think the A gaps in New England are as, prote- as well protected in the past game as, as any in the league, and it really starts with the interior. So, um, and it's just interesting because I think they're all very different. You know, Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney. You know, pr- particularly, I mean, they do some similar things as far as I think they're both really, really good pullers in the run game. Um, so that really affords the Patriots. Uh, offensive you know, coordinator Josh McDaniels to do a lot with them because you can pull to either side effectively um, or equally. And I don't think a lot of teams can say that at all with their guards. So that right there, I think opens up a lot for their running game. Um, Mason is more of a powerful guy who can really you know, knock guys off the line of scrimmage and generate movement. Tooney can do that to a lesser extent, but he's really, I think, just an absolute technician. Um, he, he's outstanding at utilizing leverage to his advantages, um, the the angles and the balance that he plays with. He's, you know, former left tackle himself. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, I think the, the the dynamic of those two is is fascinating because I think they're pretty different. Um, and another thing is the development factor with those two, especially Mason, um, you know, coming out of Georgia tech, just, you know, he didn't really pass protect very much at all in college. I, I got to talk to him a little bit, um, this summer and he, he mentioned how at Georgia tech, he, he had uh, about 40 pass attempts in his career. And then in his first game as a Patriot, he had 40 pass attempts. That he had a pass protect. so he really had to try to tr- really transform his game upon getting to New England, and he's been able to. I mean, his his ascension as a pass protector, I think, is just it's not talked about a lot, but I mean, he's a he's an above average pass protector now, and I think he's come an extremely far way uh, in in terms of how much better he's gotten in that area of his game. And then David Andrews, I think, you know, I he was on our all underrated team that uh, Duke and I did you know, for inside the pylon a couple of years ago. Um, and I still think that's the case. I mean, you know, that was a few years ago and I still think he's flying under the radar. He does everything well, nothing great. Um, but when you, when you have a guy who does everything well and doesn't really have any glaring weaknesses, um, who's very smart, uh, and, and makes, you know, a lot of the right decisions, you know, at the pivot spot, I think that that can allow other guys to succeed at a higher level. So he's kind of the glue in the middle there, but, um, yeah, that interior man is, is really fun to watch and, and one of the best in the league. You know, Brandon, you mentioned how protecting the A gaps is
0: important in pass protection. Is it even more important when you're talking about, say, protecting a 42
1: year old quarterback with perhaps yeah. limited mobility? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the saints have always really preached, uh, pass protecting and the a gaps is so important for drew Brees, And I think it's anytime you have a quarterback with that style of play, who really likes to just to stay inside that tackle box, inside that pocket and kind of maneuver in there, you have to have those a gaps protected and, and not prevent any of that quick pressure up the middle um, because that can obviously, you know, I think ruin plays quicker than, than anything else. So Yeah, uh, particularly for Tom Brady and, you know, with his age, with his style of play. I mean, the pocket, he's a master manipulator of it, but you have to have those A-gaps protected so he can do what he does.
0: You know, Brandon, you mentioned Duke Mannyweather, and you were down— At OL Masterminds, that offensive line sort of clinic that Duke has been putting together with Lane Johnson. I I know this wasn't your first time down there, but what was that experience like this year and how is that sort of clinic growing over the couple of years that it's been
1: doing? Oh, man, it's, it's my favorite thing that I've gotten to do, you know, just since I've gotten into football, you know, a few years ago when I did, it's just... It's so unique, and, you know, when you have that many offensive linemen in one place, it's just the the energy in there and the discussions that happen are just incredible because everyone there obviously wants to be there. They're excited to be there, and everyone there is really an open book. So, you know, guys are asking questions uh, about really, like, nuanced things. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you place your hands against this pass rusher, and when he does this, how do you react? I mean, just just all these really really um detailed uh you know question and answers that are going on which I just absolutely love and you know almost fill up a notebook when I'm there you know just just writing all this stuff down and it's really growing too I mean we had over 40 guys this year close to 50 um including college guys this year as well several several guys are going to be drafted next year which I thought was a cool addition and um you know there's a couple patriots there I mean Shaq Mason was there as I mentioned uh Dan Skipper was there, um, so that was, that was really cool, and, and Mason was a guy who, you know, spoke up quite a bit and, and talked about his time, you know, with Dante Scarnecchia. talked about how he prepares, um, how he, he mentioned um, how, you know, when he first came into the league and even t- today, he loves to pick things from other people's games across the league as far as guards and try to add them into his game. I thought that was really cool. Um, and he just, you know, he couldn't say enough good things about you know, Coach Skarnecki and how how much he's helped him as a player as well. Um, but yeah, just getting to hear about how each of these guys sort of approaches their craft, how they prepare, um, you know, the the uh, routines that they establish, why they establish them, um, you know, how they watch film, um, you know, and just how you know their mindsets behind using certain techniques and when they use them and. Um, it's just, you know, it, I mean, it's an offensive line, like, uh, you know, dream, dream place to be. I mean, it, it's just, it's phenomenal, man. So it was, it was great to be there and, um, you know, we're, we're excited about where it's going. Cause I think it's just going to keep growing from here. And I think it's needed too in the offensive line community, Brandon, this has been fantastic stuff. Let me get you
0: out of here on this one. I follow both you and Duke on Instagram, and I saw a picture of you, during app masterminds out at dinner with these guys and now look you're you're a big guy you know you're probably like six two ish you know but these are some big boys <laughs> yeah. when you were out to dinner with what was that like what was it like going out to dinner with some of these guys
1: oh man i mean we went this this past year we went to a steakhouse and we had the whole back room basically to ourselves there was like i think there's you know about 40 of us in there or so and i mean just, just being around. I sat at a table. I was sitting across from Lane Johnson, sitting across from Lane and uh, Ryan Jensen, and then Duke was at the table. Um, you know, Jeff Schwartz was there. Um, trying to think, a couple other guys, but you know, I was primarily talking to Lane and Ryan and Duke and Jeff. Um, and it was just, I mean, it's incredible, man. I mean, and, and as far as the size thing, it's like most of my life, I was one of the biggest kids you know in in school and on teams and stuff like that and i mean seriously i'm the smallest guy there it's just like it's 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 different for sure but uh it's it's awe-inspiring really i mean just to be around these guys and just how enormous they are it's it's insane
0: Brandon just tremendous stuff folks as you can tell Brandon just knows the trends play knows offensive and defensive line play is better than anybody if you're not following already fix that he's at Brandon Thorne NFL on Twitter Brandon just remind everybody what you got going on this season what they can expect from you
1: yeah so a weekly article I'm going to be doing for the athletic Denver highlighting the Broncos season which I'm really excited about and then also another weekly thing for EstablishTheRun.com, where I'm going to be breaking down the biggest mismatches of offensive and defensive linemen in the league um, to h- try to help you uh, with your fantasy teams, determining uh, how often quarterbacks are you know going to be seeing pressure that week and things like that. So um, yeah, those are the two primary things. And then my podcast Trench Warfare, I'm going to be doing that weekly as well. So those are the, those are the primary areas to find me
0: definitely check that stuff out folks this is a tremendous episode please do follow brandon on twitter that will do it for episode six of the sco show i will be back next week um we'll be get ready for the season because we have the final preseason game and then looking at final roster cuts final roster moves and then into week one of the NFL season so a lot of stuff going on so please do like subscribe all that good stuff on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts until next time everybody please keep on blessing that patriots rain down in foxborough